This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Dot Store. Have you ever tried to find a domain name and gotten the message, sorry, that domain name is already taken? Well, you're not alone. 70% of name checks on the .com fail, but with Dot Store, you get the domain you want. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is John Schramm. He's the founder of The Purple Guys. They offer stress-free IT for small business. <laughs> Find them at purpleguys.com. So, John, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Really excited. So it's fun for me. You know, I, um, as my listeners know, I interview people all over the world. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years. It's always fun for me to have a Kansas Cityan, fellow Kansas Cityan, uh, on the show because I don't do it very often. Uh, and uh, so you're just down, I don't know, you're probably about 25 minutes away from me today. So that's always fun in this in this virtual world we live in. Yes. So I, I'm sure, you know, everybody's familiar with the term managed IT, but it you know, what does it mean, actually? So so what's a typical, if there is such a thing, engagement look like for a managed IT firm or at least for Purple Guys? Typical engagement, and, and we focus in the small to mid-sized business right. world. And the way I define that is, you know, on the low end, a 20-employee company, on the high end, 100 employees. Um, so that that's sort of when I when I talk about managed IT, that's what I'm talking about managing. And, and typically an arrangement would be, they don't have anybody that's IT, hmm. dedicated IT on staff. So we're, you know, the primary functions we serve, we're the help desk. So we answer the phone when something doesn't work. And the, the something generally has an off switch and a screen. Uh, and then, you know, stuff we typically take care of that's not just that end user support is data backup, security, making sure systems are patched, making sure things are getting monitored from a security and a stability perspective. Um, so just kind of the infrastructure side, the, the end user support side, um, it, it, that's what's typically involved in a managed services. So does anybody have like the box with a bunch of fans, you know, in a closet anymore? I mean, are those days of having your own network server, you know, on your location, mm-hmm. those, is that done? I, I would say that uh, there's a lot of it that's still out there. Uh, a lot of stuff has moved to the cloud. Uh, so getting rid of those boxes that just collect dust and depreciate faster than a car. Uh, but uh, and, and the reason there's still a lot of it out there is people have made an investment. There's typically a five to seven or so year lifespan on that before you have to replace it. And a lot of the software used to be tied to being inside of your four walls. So the, the line of business application that kind of drives the, the organizations of your law firms, your practice management software. And for a long time, the practice management software companies were dragging their heels on making it cloud-based. And once they moved that to the cloud, it made it possible for a lot of the smaller businesses to move the rest of their stuff to the cloud. I mean, in a way, even if a business has sort of a proprietary hold on why they keep that, I mean, in a way, they're they're really just – um, stalling the inevitable, aren't they? I mean, there's there's absolutely no reason to have all that hardware on site, is there? Uh, no, the, no, no, no financially, you know, <laughs> reliable reason. I yeah, suppose. Th- there's not a financial reason at all. There's a couple of specific cases where there's a functional reason, and manufacturing is one where the the software needs to co- communicate with the the manufacturing floor floor equipment at such a high speed. Like essentially at the gigabit speed, which is the hardwiring speed, uh, that in order to put that out in the cloud and to have that kind of performance, 
it, it's kind of cost prohibitive. But other yeah. than the manufacturing world, and there's some also some healthcare applications that kind of do that same thing. For the general business, there is no reason to refresh your technical infrastructure inside your four walls when it has been fully depreciated uh, at this point. Well, and, and you talked about speed. I mean, gosh, yeah. you know, I'm getting 300 megabytes a second wireless. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that starts getting, you know, like, yep. that's not so it, bad, right? <laughs> it, it, is, it is going. And, and yeah, so those constraints are going away. And yeah, yeah. The, the future is to not own the hardware. So, so what have we probably talked about the biggest ones, but I, I will ask you, what, what are some kind of big changes or trends or things that you see coming in the, in the IT world as it relates to business? Small business, particularly. Yeah, the, the biggest trend is that continuation of everything moving outside of the four walls, and, and the stuff that comes with it moving outside of the four walls are things that you wouldn't necessarily think are associated. And it's it's the security pieces, it's the monitoring of it, it's how do you maintain it, and then and who's actually responsible for the backup? Because yeah. just because you put it out in the cloud, a lot of people infer that, oh, it's backed up. It's not, unless you're paying somebody to back it up. That's a service, and it's a, it's a question you have to ask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so or just, is it redundant or whatever, yeah. Correct. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what has been the uh, – you? I didn't ask you this directly, but I'm just going to guess you've been in business 20 years-ish. Is yeah, that, yeah, yeah, 19 years. Uh, 19 years, okay. 10, okay, 10, 10 one <laughs> Which is, which is a binary kind of number for a, uh, a tech uh, yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was a good guess by me. But uh, yeah. what um, what's been your? I mean, is there when somebody when you're sitting across from a prospect and maybe they're talking to somebody else who says they do manage IT? You know, why do why do they hire the purple guys? You think? I mean, is is there some sort of innovative difference that you've been able to bring? The biggest difference that we see in the marketplace and, and the reason people come to us is it's some version of the of the phrase, we feel like we've outgrown our guy. Mm. And in the small business world, and it, it's it's a function of the business kind of growing up. It's, you know, my cousin's sis, sister's nephew who took a computer class once, that's my IT guy when I'm first starting because that's all you yeah. can afford. Yeah. Uh, and then that person tends to hang around. And as you get to a level of sophistication where you need predictable backups and stability and you've got some compliance things wrapped around your business, you look for a more professional approach. So those are the things that drive people to come to the Purple Guys. Uh, the thing that keeps our customers and actually causes our customers to talk about us, other, other potential customers, is, is the customer service aspect. And uh, for, for those folks that have watched Saturday Night Live for a really long time, they used to have an IT skit. They had an IT guy in there, and he would he was very rude, uh, <laughs> lacked pretty much any social skills at all. He would sit down, shove someone to the side, say, move. He'd sit down with the keyboard. Yeah. Uh, that exists still a lot in the <laughs> IT world. So the, the thing that we do from a hiring perspective is we hire first for the, the personality of customer service, so someone that, that has an aptitude for providing customer service that also happens to have technical skills. And and that really is what sets us apart is how we hire, the fact that we use personality profiling, that we make it a big deal in our in our job postings. Uh, you, you have to want to deal with people, not just yeah. the technology stuff in order to, to, to be effective. 
And, and I suspect as an IT person, it's pretty hard to have a lot of tolerance for somebody who, you know, has for the third time uh, messed up their Gmail account. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it's probably, it's probably pretty, uh, you know, pretty exhausting at times. I should, yes, should have said. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, did you turn it off and on again? Does it help? Uh, is it plugged in? We've, we've had those. Uh, and yeah, we, we reset a lot of passwords. We, yeah. we do have a lot of passwords. So, um, we're recording this in uh, the fall of 2020. Obviously, there's uh, a global pandemic going on, which has led to a lot of remote work from home mm-hmm. that, that's kind of new. So yeah. a lot of companies that had everybody locked inside of four walls and had all their security in four walls and had all their yeah. devices checked in, you know, now yeah. we're like, go out there to the world and still be yes. safe. I mean, what, yeah. what kind of issues or challenges or opportunities has that, has that yeah. created for you? Well, the, the biggest opportunity was setting people to work up to work from home. We, we support about 6,000 people right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, pre, pre-pandemic, about 600 of them were set up to work from home. Now all 6,000 of them are set up to work from home. Uh, and what I would say from a, from a business perspective and in the, in the what to look for, it's is it company-owned equipment that they're using? Because you can lock that down a lot better than, oh, they're going to use the same laptop their kid's trying to do remote school on. Um, which sometimes has more more security protections than a, than a company device, uh, but you want to make sure you have control. And it's it's you've created all these new access points into your corporate systems, right. and whether those corporate systems are still sitting inside of a building somewhere or they're out in the cloud, as you send those folks out and they're working remotely, each one of those people that can log in is a potential security hole for somebody else to to get into your network. And I will say that the the bad actors have a field day when it comes to any kind of a crisis, whether it's a healthcare crisis or something else. Uh, sometimes it's something as simple as, well, it's tax day. And they're like, oh, you can get an automatic return if you just click here. We'll, yeah. we'll automatically deposit this in your bank account. The, the IRS does not do that. But people still <laughs> click on those types of things. Yeah. Uh, and and we've seen just a massive rise in, I mean, it's, it's called phishing when they're trying to get your attention and get you to click on something accidentally in an email, just a huge spike in phishing. Yeah. Uh, so having a good spam filter and making sure that it's in use no matter where your folks are, having, I mean, it's kind of the basics, having a decent password policy that, you know, they actually have a complicated password. They do change it every, every 90 days is a recommendation. And the other piece, and this comes with almost every piece of cloud software out there. So if you've migrated to the cloud, whether it's just your email or your applications, it's it's using two-factor authentication, which is, is you've got your user ID and your password. And then that second factor is either something about you, meaning like facial recognition or a thumbprint, or it's something you have, like your cell phone that gets a code on it. And you want oh, to that's, sure that's, that's such that's, a pain in the butt, though, John. It, it is. <laughs> anything related to security adds a pain in the rear factor totally, yeah. on, on, both on purpose, but it, it has yeah, to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think more and more people are getting used to that uh, as well. You know, especially, you know, most of the banks and, you know, investment firms and things mm-hmm. like that just require it now. So, yeah, um, the, if you're in a regulated industry, you have have to have it and have had to have it for a while. Um, but it, it's everybody has to have it, in my opinion, at this point. So how big a risk do mobile devices uh, present in, in this? Because, you know, a lot of company and 
people are, you know, they're using their mobile device to check their email, to do, you know, everything. And that may be an advice that they just got yesterday um, that, you know, <laughs> was not checked in, you know, through, mm-hmm. uh, through anybody. I mean, so is that one of the bigger sort of risk factors that companies have to uh, uh, control or, or at least be aware? It, it is another opening in your corporate security. It's the, it does create another potential way for a bad, bad actor to get inside of your network. Um, and, and that is probably the, the most common bring your own device. There's, everybody's got their own cell phone and yeah, you set up right. something on there and it's called mobile device management. You can put a yeah. piece of software on there that manages the corporate side of it. And in a perfect world, you should. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would tell you that across our customer base of you know, 200 or so small businesses, we, I think we've got four of them that really do mobile device management. So the, the risk is there. The exposure is a little less because typically you don't have the same access from your phone mm-hmm. that you have to the rest of your network. But a sophisticated hacker can use the phone to then get a little bit of in, info and then turn around and use that info to get into your actual network. Okay. So it is, it is another entry point and, and people should be aware of it. So um, an acronym that's gotten a lot of play in this kind of transition to work from home is, is you know, it's been around for a long time, but it seems like it's popped up into the, the nomenclature all of a sudden for small business and that's VPNs. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, maybe briefly describe what that is and like, do I need one? Uh, well, VPN stands for a virtual private network. So think of a dedicated connection between you and whatever else is on the other end. That That is the private side of the virtual private network. Uh, and, and I would say that if you allow folks to regularly work from coffee shops uh, or any other like public Wi-Fi, you absolutely need to use a VPN. If they're most of the time working from their home, a little less exposure because uh, it's not technically a public network. But if someone's using your corporate resources across a public network, you want to use that private connection because it'll shield that data. It's by definition, it's encrypted as it, as it goes across there. And it's, it's a user ID and a password to get onto that VPN in the first place. So, so, so let me ask you, should every consumer, I mean, every, you know, you think about all the people that work in coffee shops, whether they're just. Yeah entrepreneurs or a freelancer or what, whatnot, I mean, should they be using, you know, one of these kind of VPN services that you can get? Uh, if you're concerned about the stuff that's on your phone, which most people yeah. like actually should be. <laughs> but I mean, but even like from a laptop too, I mean, you yeah. know. Yeah. When you're, when you're working from a laptop, you actually want to use a VPN service and not just your public Wi-Fi that's available. And that's something that you can get almost like an app, right? I mean, right. That, like, yeah, yeah, lots of services for it. And, yeah. you know, if you've got an IT company supporting you, you can set up your own direct yeah. one. Um, yeah, security is something that gets overlooked. And I would say that as more and more folks have, have gone and worked from home, uh, it tends to be a more relaxed and less structured right. environment. So yeah. I think it, people are just in a different mental state. Uh, when they're at home, and and sometimes they're they're more apt to click on something, than, and the, the ability to just kind of shout next door or walk down the hall to verify isn't there anymore. So yeah, 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 uh, yeah. We, we've seen a lot of people click on stuff they shouldn't have clicked on. And now let's take a little break and hear from a sponsor. A great e-commerce brand is one that is short, memorable, and relevant. 
So when you see the .store domain, you instantly know that this website is an online store. A .store domain tells people your website is an e-commerce store and instantly associates your website with selling. With .store, you get access to a huge pool of short, quality names, which means that you don't have to compromise on the brand name of your choice. Join close to half a million e-commerce store owners like you that trust and use .store domain, the domain name for e-commerce. Visit get.store and find your e-commerce store domain name today. So let's uh, turn back to your company a little yeah. bit. Um, what's What's been the... I always like to ask entrepreneurs this. What's been kind of your um, marketing go-to in terms of success? I mean, what's been the most um, successful way for you to get in front of new prospects to, you know, turn them into customers? Has, has there been any sort of formula or platform that's uh, stood out for you? Well, the, the biggest thing, and it's kind of our company name, so we're called the Purple Guys. It's actually an accidental brand. Our customers started calling us the Purple Guys. I'm, I'm loving that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so we, we started wearing purple shirts early on, which is why our customers started calling us the purple guys, and we ran with it. And I will tell you that pre-pandemic, uh, one of the things that works really well for us is four or five people showing up all all in purple to an event yeah. creates a conversation. They're like, what up with all the purple? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the goal for us is just to get people to associate the color purple, the technical support, and the next time they're annoyed with their technology, which is going to happen. I mean, it is almost yeah. a guarantee. You're going to have to be frustrated at some point in the very near future. We just want to be top of mind that people can, that will turn around and reach out to Purple Guys to see if we can help with their tech support. So that's been the biggest thing for us is leveraging kind of the accidental brand that we have. Uh, and then recently... Just helping, like, like we put out a ton of free content as people were working from home, like what they can do from uh, mm -hmm. free tools to stay connected when Zoom and everything else was trying to figure it out. I mean, a lot of consolidating those resources to just put them out there kind of as public services, service announcements has been huge for us. Now, I know you're not in the uh, um, real estate, uh, commercial real estate business, but do you feel as though this move to work for home, from home was going to have actually some percentage of people saying, you know what, we don't need that office anymore? I, I think there is a definite shrinkage in the office space that's going to be required going forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, even for us, I mean, we've got three different office suites in, in the building we're in, and I would cut it by a third right now if I could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So. I don't, I don't think I'd want to own a bunch of those buildings right now because no. I think there, um, I think there are you know multi thousand person companies that are yes. realizing that they can do this without <laughs> yeah. without the the, the space. Yeah. So um, I want to dive into some of the um, you know some people might actually look at like the Google Workspace you know the Google Cloud is as maybe mm -hmm. almost a competitor in some ways, although they don't offer any. They offer no, <laughs> no service necessarily, yeah. but um, would you, so straighten me out on that. Would you say that the, no, that's an actually an integration partner for you that you would go in and actually help somebody set all that up as it evolves, or is that, or do you actually kind of sell against them to like there's a more robust solution? Uh, the answer is both. Uh, some people yeah. see it as well. Why do I need you? Because it's yeah. to turn this stuff on in the cloud. 
and others are like, I don't have a clue how to turn this stuff on in the cloud. Can you please help? And, and most of the businesses we work with have enough of a level of sophistication based on their needs of organizing the data, making sure only certain people have access to certain things, that the security is locked down. And again, the stuff we've already talked about, that there's security stuff in place and backups and management around that. And, and you know, your, your staff is inevitably going to have the question of why is this so slow or I lost my password. You still need help. On that. So <laughs> yeah. it, those are really kind of a collaborative platform for us. And, and whether it's the Google workspace or the Microsoft 365 world, um, that's we've helped a lot of people leverage those platforms really in the last couple of months here. And, and that was the trend we saw going before the pandemic hit. And I, I think the pandemic just fast forwarded everybody's adoption and, and, and an ability to, to want to go there yeah. by at least five years, if not a whole decade. I mean, that, yeah, it yeah. really fast forwarded the adoption. Yeah. And really, even those tools, you know, I've you, you get into the admin panel and there are 373 settings that you could yeah. do. So it's, yeah. it's almost like it's nice having somebody that goes, no, these are the ones you should do. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> definitely. So, uh, um, John, you want to tell people where uh, they can find more about um, your service? And I was going to ask you this. I forgot. You, you kind of un work under like a subscription base almost, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah. So so people just keep you on retainer, so to speak, uh, for when they have issues. Correct. Yeah, we, we are a month-to-month -month service. Yeah, uh, we yeah. typically ask for a 36-month agreement. Uh, but we are we are also a fixed fee. So essentially, it's either headcount-based or, or device-based. So we are very budgetable. So from a small business perspective, we're always very sensitive to, you know, people don't have unlimited resources. So we, we try to give them a very predictable model so they know exactly what they're going to spend with us. Uh, you can always find us at purpleguys.com. So uh, just, just remember the color purple. If you if you Google purple tech support, we're pretty much the only thing that's ever going to come up. Uh, so, so did you get that? You, did you get that URL long enough ago that uh, it was available, or did you have to? Once you decided you were going to be the Purple Guys, did you have to uh, buy that off of somebody? Purple Guys was available, and, and actually, oh, so nice. so was Purple Gals. Uh, ah. and, and I do get that question of what up with just being a bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Guys yeah. is a Midwest term. Guys is yeah. the Midwest version of y'all. So I do not think that guys is a gender neutral in, in the Midwest, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, John, thanks for uh, taking the time to stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, run into you soon uh, when, when we go out places again. Yes, I appreciate it. This has been great. Thank you.